Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Ego Chow podcast, a Call of Duty esports podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski and on today's episode we will be discussing the most recent roster change in the Call of Duty League and we also have a lot of matches to talk about. We had 10 last week and we have 10 more this week, the final 10 qualifying matches for the second major of the 2022 CDL season. But before we do any of that, how are you doing, Bink? I'm doing all right. Um, long weekend for me, and uh, didn't get to watch the matches live, so I crammed uh, six hours of uh, double-time sped-up matches into last night, but ready to give this a go. Yeah, I didn't watch a ton of the matches live either because March Madness is upon us, and I was way too... I didn't think I'd be real deep into March Madness, but it turns out I am. I'm kind of hooked. And uh, I might start betting on it this week, but uh, I might not want to burn my cash, so I'm not really decided on that. Um, but yeah, we, we have a lot of matches to talk about, but before we get to the matches, let's get to the roster mania stuff. The juicy stuff that people come to uh, the Call of Duty scene and, and love on Twitter. Um, we talked about it last week. This was a report at the time, but it has since been confirmed. Paul Lex has replaced Clayster in the New York Subliners starting roster. Uh, Clayster is now benched on the Subliners team. Uh, Paul X uh, is now the Subliners flex player. And Crim6, uh, who was uh, playing that flex kind of as a test, uh, I guess, when they were getting absolutely brutalized by everybody in the league. He was uh, playing flex. He's now going to main AR. Um, that's what the subliners announced on Twitter. Um, Clayster put out a video, and he basically confirmed that he was being benched and that uh, he had interest in playing and playing on another team, or I guess there is a possibility that this subliners roster does not work out and he comes back into the fold at some point. But uh, he said that he continues uh, to have a desire to compete at a high level, um, but it's just not going to work out with this iteration of the roster. Uh, before we get into any uh, of the details, really, uh, what do you think about this change now that uh, it has been confirmed and you really have seen um, a match uh, with Paul Lex in the roster? Yeah, we don't have to talk too much about that match. We'll get there eventually. Yeah, yeah. But um, on the surface, I mean, this kind of seems inevitable. Like... Um, last episode, when when Crone had the report that uh, Paul X was likely going to New York, we didn't know uh, who he was going to replace in the lineup, but it seemed like Clayster was the most likely target just because um, he, he was underperforming. I don't think that's that's being harsh or anything. I just think like if you look at the stats, and even he's mentioned it himself on Twitter. Um, he just he hasn't been performing too well so far early in the Vanguard season. And Paul X, you know, came in and had an immediate impact on that London team and, you know, seemingly uh, just helped them seamlessly uh, pick up two wins when Gizmo went home for uh, his personal issues and stuff like that. So um, I'm happy that Paul X is getting a full-time chance now again. Uh, seemed like, you know, it, it was a small sample size with London, but um, seemed like he kind of, you know, cemented himself and proved that he deserves a chance like this uh, to be a starter in the league. And 
Um, I didn't actually watch Clayster's video, but um, based on what you said, like if he's saying he still has that desire to compete, that's the most important thing in my mind. Like I, I definitely did not want to see um, a Clay retirement video if he was being, you know, with him being replaced. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, sounds like he's going to still be competing and uh, trying to get on another team moving forward. It will, as we've mentioned in multiple episodes at this point, this is just um, an assumption on my part, but I think it's a pretty safe bet that, you know, Clay has a lucrative contract, um, mm -hmm. which could cause some issues in terms of other teams wanting to buy him out or acquire him. Um, and I'm not really sure which team would, you know, look to acquire him at this point but um i'm just you know for now obviously it's it's tough for him to get benched but we've seen him bounce back multiple times in his career before i uh, wouldn't be shocked if he does it again we'll just have to wait and see you know if he actually gets a chance uh again or if a team is able to make a move or like you said if new york ends up flip-flopping again and bringing him back into the fold who knows yeah so uh the video was six minutes. You really didn't need to watch the whole video to get an idea of what he was saying. Uh, the most important parts, like you touched on, are uh, he doesn't plan on retiring, uh, at least immediately. But he did mention the possibility that it could happen if he doesn't get picked up by a team. Because uh, he said what we've all been thinking is, you know, if he doesn't get picked up by a team and he's basically sitting around for a month or a few months, maybe the rest of the season, he said that's basically a death sentence because, you know, that's a long time to go without playing out of mind, out of sight kind of thing or out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so there's that. Uh, he also mentioned in the video that he had told New York that a two person change was necessary after the first major, uh, which, uh, the first major New York uh, got swept in their only match of the tournament, um, which seems to fit with what Havoc said in his uh, twit longer this week. Um, Havoc was kind of brought into the situation based on Crone's report. He said that uh, the subliners had talked to uh, multiple SMG players, I'll quote him, uh, from what I understand, subliners reached out to multiple SMG players, Havoc declined, and they attempted to acquire Hixie from the Toronto Ultra, but nothing happened. Uh, from that tweet, just started kind of a, kind of just like slandering Havoc on the timeline because people were saying how stupid he was to decline an offer from a CDL team considering he is currently in challengers uh, with the Texas Nation roster. And he had to come out, I guess he didn't have to, but he did come out with a statement and kind of cleared the air on uh, what went on with the subliners. He said that he was approached by the subliners about being a part of a two-person change. Quote, from what I was told, they didn't have a system, weren't watching VODs, and were yelling at each other in practice, end quote. And he suggested that if he was signed to the subliners, that he would bring along Kismet, who was formerly on the Paris Legions roster during the inaugural season of the Call of Duty League, and uh, Kismet is also a part of uh, the Texas Nation roster currently with uh, Havoc. 
He wanted to do that to, quote, help teach our system and ex expedite that process, uh, that process being, you know, winning and hopefully getting out of last place. Um, they didn't go for it, the subliners, and they ended up bringing in Paul X, which there seems to be some minor beef between Havoc and Paul, but he said that he would have uh, joined, he probably would have joined the team had Clay been on the team instead of Crim6 because he doesn't think that he and Crim6 would get along and mesh well in the game. So I think there's a lot of kind of, uh, you know, juicy details there and you can kind of speculate on that, but uh, there seems to be just a disconnect between like what you know what the the subliners wanted obviously clayster was open to dropping or benching two of the current players not including himself i'm sure and i'm i don't think it would have been hydra so you probably would have sent seeing crim six and royalty uh, or crim six and uh neptune get benched and um I mean, it didn't work out that way. It, it seems that they're going to stick with Paul X and uh, just coming in trying to fix things. But I'm not convinced that that's enough to really change this roster. Uh, what do you think about um, this report from Crone that Havoc and Hixie were considered and that Havoc uh, essentially turned down New York because he felt that, you know, like if I'm not going to get what I want out of this, I'm not going to get Kismet on the roster and I'm not going to have Clayster on the roster that it's probably not worth it to try to go back up to the CDO. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of layers to this and uh, obviously it sounds like I missed some uh, juicy stuff on the timeline due to bachelor party shenanigans, but <laughs> um, I will say to start that I'm not entirely surprised that th did Havoc say in his tweet longer, like, did he like say that he declined? Yeah, he said that uh, he declined. So he was uh, kind of skeptical because of Paul X, because of their minor beef recently. But he, like, he confirmed said, that it was true. Yeah, yeah. He, he said that he yeah, would okay. have joined the team if Clayster was a part of the roster. Yeah, so I, I'm not entirely surprised to hear that just because if I remember correctly, it was also – he also tweeted when um, – florida acquired vivid earlier this year that it was like his own decision to leave florida to compete in challengers instead of like staying in uh staying on the florida franchise and just like collecting a paycheck and uh still living in florida he like wanted to stay in texas i believe that was the whole situation there mm -hmm. um or, or around that when florida decided to sign vivid after the washington thing fell through um, so I'm not like, based on that, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm not entirely surprised that he's like betting on himself again. Cause that's kind of how, like I interpreted that initial situation is like, he, he's betting on himself to go into challengers and, you know, try to get back up to the league through that way. Um, and I also feel like it kind of would have been a bit strange if he was coming into this team uh, for Neptune, because I believe, again, if I'm remembering correctly from Cold War, Neptune was the one who replaced him on Florida when Neptune got his first shot, so that could yeah. have been like a full circle thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm not entirely surprised he's betting on himself. It is um, kind of weird to just think about that, like, if, if you're actually getting that offer to be 
in the big leagues and you just turn it down like some people might just be like well what, what the heck are you thinking there um yeah. but i mean if he's on like the top challengers team and and he's more confident in that team i guess i who am i to blame him for that um I, I guess it's something we'll have to see long term if, if it works out on his behalf. I think, I mean, I did skim uh, the tweet longer. I think he mentioned too that like, um, he, he's trying to like, or maybe it was like something Ake said or something that like they want to uh, keep this team together and try to get this team into the league, like kind of like hinting mm-hmm. at uh, expansion and stuff. But at, at this point, who knows what's going on with expansion? We haven't heard anything about it really at, at this point and uh we're already in the third season so it's definitely an odd situation um regardless of the circumstances but at the end of the day if he's gonna bet on himself i'm not gonna you know criticize him for that it's just we'll we'll have to uh see if he's able to um take advantage of that situation that he's putting himself in and actually you know do something with it because if uh obviously if, if the Texas Nation team or whatever just like falls flat the second half of the Vanguard year here and like they aren't winning tournaments and stuff, then people are probably gonna criticize them and stuff. But if they keep winning in challengers and um, you know, I don't know much about that prize pool, but like we if we if we get to the end of the Vanguard year and New York is still like a bottom team not really placing well in tournaments and uh Avex team and challengers is winning these events and making more money potentially uh in at least in prize earnings than uh the subliners then uh well you'll we'll have to look at uh the situation from that angle too so a lot, a lot of layers here like i was saying before um and we're just gonna have to keep our eyes on the situation and evaluate it as things go yeah one last thing before we move on uh to your point about how he actually likes his current team. He said in the twit longer, uh, the last reason that was influencing my decision was my current team, Texas nation. Even though we're battling in challengers, this is my favorite team that I've been a part of. I look forward to scrimming every day and my mental health has been much better compared to last year. It's rare to find people that are all equally talented, motivated to work, give and take criticism easily and, uh, and can execute in play. Uh, and they also said our end goal is to get into the league together, but we know if anyone gets a really solid offer, then they should take it. Ultimately, I didn't feel confident taking NY's offer. So it, I mean, I, I said this on Twitter before he put out the statement, and I'm not one of those people that, uh, say I told you so, but I did told, uh, tell you so, um, that like it makes sense why he wouldn't want to take this offer. And it would make sense for a lot of players to, you know, at least, you know, not just jump at any offer in the CDL, regardless of the situation that they're going into. Because if you take a top challengers player who, I mean, I, I just looked it up. They, uh, Havoc's team has won $28,000 in prize earnings, uh, from this season in challengers, which is obviously not, uh, you know, comparable to $50,000 in minimum salary in the CDL, but we don't know if they have salaries or anything. And it's also a question of um, whether like it's a good idea long-term to do this, to go say to Paris or go to New York, possibly play one month as as is the case with royalty he left his challengers team he played exactly one month with the subliners and then he was benched for neptune had who had already been benched um 
and they're very uh, very well may be another roster change for New York or one of these other uh, bottom uh, of the table CDL teams. So I think that it's fair for any top challengers player to at least, at the very least, consider uh, an alternative to the CDL if they're making some money and they're happy with what they're doing because it really doesn't make a lot of sense if he doesn't feel one he didn't said he uh, didn't think that he would mesh well with Crim Six. So one, that's kind of a red flag right there, and that he probably shouldn't take that position if he's not feeling comfortable. And he is also very aware that there could be more roster changes, and he could be one of the first people to get benched if things continue to go badly. So uh, I think that Havoc has a really, I think Havoc's a really smart guy, first of all, and I think that he understands at this point in his career, he's been up and down with the cdl and the cwl in the pro league and whatnot he understands what it takes to be a pro and you know what happens in in the in the cdl and how these roster changes work so i think that uh his reason is very respectable and i think that uh texas nation has a very bright future ahead of them yeah um just a couple points on that real quick and then we can move mm-hmm. on um they're not on an org because right, yeah, like yeah. general is optics, uh, sub and like I think Rambo like had a, a clip or something. Like they don't have an academy team, but they like kind of just assume that or like act as if Texas Nation is their uh, quote unquote academy team, even though it's not official, just because they scrim them a lot, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. But you know, makes sense with general being the sub and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he, they're not salaried as far as I know, uh, because like who would be salarying them? Um, so. Um, Obviously, the money thing, it, it'll, you know, like if they win Challengers Champs, I don't know what that prize pool is, but um, that would obviously be the big thing for them, mm-hmm. especially if they're not under salary. Um, and, and I liked your point about royalty, too, because now, you know, he's in that situation. Like, who knows? Like, if Havoc takes the offer, uh, doesn't work out with New York, they continue to struggle, then he just gets benched. And now his other team is, you know, they've moved on and he's just he's collecting a paycheck, but he's stuck on the bench and I uh, can't do anything about it. So it's, you know, like I said, a lot of layers to the situation. Um, there was something else I was going to say, but now I lost my train of thought. I just, I, I think you're right. And um, it's a little different for Havoc as compared to, um, I don't really have a good example off the top of my head, but like, you know, Havoc is essentially like a known commodity in the scene like at fire. this point. Like, fire like, would be a know. good example of like a guy getting his chance as like a, an unknown guy. And then like eventually, uh, or, you know, rather quickly being put on the bench and, or released in his case. But, you know, that does, I, I was trying to say like, you know, if, if Havoc is getting an offer from New York, it's different than like some lesser known player, like a, yeah. like a rookie or something who would, you know, be in a position where they haven't been in the CDL before and, you know, they get that offer. Like, I'll use Capsital as an example. Obviously, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the situation at all with Boston just because, you know, like uh, when we were talking about that move and stuff, he he had played with Dens um, yeah. in Challengers before and stuff. So there was some connection before. But we'll just use Capsital for the sake um, as, of the example in here. Nobody knew much about Capsital coming into this year. Um and he just kind of like started playing well. Coincidentally, he was playing with Havoc in that first Challengers Cup um, of this year. But anyways, um, 
you know, like if New York is in this position and Capitals just like absolutely frying in challengers and he hasn't had a shot yet in the CDL and New York hits him up like, hey, we're, we're looking to make a change. Would you want to join the team? Capital in a position where he isn't, you know, theoretically in the CDL yet might be like, oh, hell yeah, I want to get my shot. Like, yeah. this is my big break. Havoc isn't, at, you know, Havoc has been in the scene long enough. This is, It's not like he's just a rookie player. He's, I would consider him a veteran and not like a yeah, veteran. Definitely. Like when people say Mac is a veteran, um, <laughs> yeah. he's like actually a veteran. Um, so like it, it's different position for Havoc in my eyes where, you know, if, if like you said, and he said in his twit longer, he's happy with his team, really likes it and all that stuff. Uh, not going to criticize him for the decision. I, I hope it works out for him. If it doesn't, then maybe we'll have something to look at. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think if it was like Mohawk or Pro Loot or something, like getting their chance at the big leagues, yeah, like I, I would encourage them to take it or like to more seriously consider that option than Havoc seemingly did. But that's also because Havoc's next chance could be his last chance at the CDL because the reputation part of Call of Duty is a very real thing. And if you get on another CDL team, Havoc had, um, you know, a pretty long run relatively relative to a lot of other uh, challenge, like current challengers players. He had a pretty good run in the CDL with Florida. And if he gets on New York or he gets on Paris and they spend a month or two with him and then they drop him or they bench him like that could taint his you know like kind of tank his stock a, a little bit in the eyes of other players who might be looking at another uh, another player um when the the next roster mania phase comes around so uh, i do think that havoc situation is unique and he's one of the only people in challengers right now who has been at the very top of um of the CDL and formerly the CWL to the point where he could kind of decide that. And I, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I'll wait around and see if somebody will drop their entire roster to fit Texas nation on there and try to do something or it, you know, preferably get some expansion in the off season. So we get to 16, 20 teams or whatever. And then it makes all the sense in the world to sign a team like Texas nation who has a lot of chemistry and has actual results together. But um, I mean, that's wishful thinking, but again, I, I hope the best for them. I hope that New York's roster works out with Paul X. Um, we'll talk about their matches here coming up. So um, yeah, we got that out of the way. Uh, let's talk about these matches uh, from the past week. We spent about uh, nearly half an hour talking about New York. Uh, I don't think we'll spend that long talking about their matches, but, um, let's get to, uh, the Friday matches. This was from Friday, March 18th. We had three matches, uh, Paris versus London started the day off. This was a pretty interesting game. I, I don't know how much you watched it, but I watched this entire match, um, live and, uh, I was pretty blown away about how close it was that, uh, that London would actually lose to Paris. Paris actually went up 2-0 in the series, uh, close maps, uh, you know, you know, relatively, but, uh, London, they turned it on, uh, game three control, and then they kind of put away, uh, Paris pretty easily. I think this was, uh, the first, uh, you know, this was the second consecutive reverse sweep loss for Paris. I believe, I think they had one last week as well. So people are kind of clowning on them, but, um, a close, a close match, but London comes away. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, it, it was the second consecutive reverse sweep because 
uh, their last match of the past week was that uh, match against the Rocker, where like Standy had the questionable play on Tuscan yeah. Hardpoint to kick off the series. So Paris went up. Minnesota pulled out the reverse sweep. Um, but yeah, I mean, just you know, when we were doing our picks last week at the end of last show, uh, I was kind of joking with you that I wasn't gonna pick against London for the first time all year because I didn't want you to get a free point. Um, cause you know, we were both kind of just thinking it was going to be a stomp here by London, but Paris put up a fight, um, close three point game to start game one. Uh, then nasty did have a, a technical one. I think they were calling it a one V three, but I'm pretty sure he got like, uh, the first kill as his third teammate went down. So it, it, I think it's a one V four, but one V four, one V three nasty had a pretty impressive clutch, uh, in game two, but, uh, Paris were able to take that one as well. And then from there, London responded, uh, winning the next three maps to get the reverse sweep. This was Gizmo's return, obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. We are just talking about Paul X playing in those first matches in place of him because of his personal issues and him going home and stuff. But now Gizmo's back. Um, so maybe that had something to do with the early losses to start this mm -hmm. series, just like getting back into the groove. I don't really know, but, it, you know... Uh, don't think it played too much of a factor because then they take the last three maps. They did. They won two offenses on uh, Gavu to control, and they took that one 3-0, so that's always impressive. Um, and then the Tuscan Hardpoint was 250 to 212, and a bookage search was 6-3. So um, I guess, you know, we the, the result with London winning is what we expected, but probably neither of us were expecting a 3-2 or London needing to reverse sweep. Um, so... Obviously, uh, Paris probably, you know, back-to-back -back reverse sweeps is, isn't what they want. They would have liked to close out those two matches, but it, it's it's a sign of an improvement, I guess, uh, in my eyes, because you know they're they're losing, but they're not getting 3-0'd, I guess. So uh, you can take that with a grain of salt. Um, and Jimbo here, uh, in particular, had the most kills, uh, tied with Temp at 87. Uh, they had the most kills on Paris and the most kills in the entire series. Um, Jimbo dropped a 0.91 KD in this match, so that's a little bit of an improvement from uh, his matches in his first week where people were roasting him on social media and stuff. Yeah, I didn't see too many roasts on social media this week, but um, next match of the week we had uh, Seattle versus Optic. Um I mean, what can you really say about Seattle? Like, they, they come out, they win the uh, Bokage hard point. Uh, they look pretty good doing it. Um, then they lose 6-3 on Bokage search. Okay, it's 1-1. Uh, in Optic, they clutch up round 5 on uh, Tuscan control um, and then clutch up on Tuscan hard point uh, to end the series. Uh, a pretty hard loss for Seattle considering how close um, most of these maps were and um, they just weren't able to like pull out any of the maps uh, that they really needed to um, what I, I don't know like we don't really need to get into like breaking down the the series all that much but you know, like where does Seattle go from here in the fact that like it's not a it's not a bad thing to lose to um, optic because optic is the best team in the game right now but I guess we could wait to to talk about their LAG series, but you know, like it feels like this roster may be running its course. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, they've certainly had their struggles, but 
Um, I've talked about it a couple times, I feel like, on the podcast at this point, where although they had their hot start to the season and stuff, I don't think uh, this team was uh, designed with, like, a win-now mentality. Like, there's literally, you know, Sib and Pred getting their first shots uh, in the Pro League, and then Mac. this is only his third year, and it was only a half year in my mind, by the way, 2.5 years. Um, so it's a young team. Um, maybe they make a move, but like then, then who are you moving on from? Because I feel like accuracy is kind of there as the leader. Um, so like if you, if you move him, there could be a weird thing where you have like four young guys or if they, they go for another AR who's a veteran, I don't know if that's really much of a change. So that'd be, uh, interesting. And then I I feel like they're not going to change. Uh, Sib and Pred and just give up on them. That would be, I, I would be mind blown if that decision was made. So then you look at Mac um, and, you know, Mac has had his moments as well. So I'm not really sure if Seattle makes a change. It might just be something where they continue to work through things. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. But um, for this series, at least, you know, uh, I will say watching a Bokic hard point on a two times speed on YouTube is definitely an experience. I had to take some Tylenol after a couple of those because, uh, yeah. Boy, that that was something. Um, and you know, Sib had a really good game one, drop drop forty seven. So um, we've been seeing that that number. We we saw a little bit throughout this set of matches this past weekend. Uh, some good games on Bokage, and uh, obviously that's a uh, something I've been enjoying so far in Vanguard. So always like seeing a performance like that. Um, so that that was a good sign, you know, to start the the series there. Seattle getting that win. Um, but then just after that point, Optic uh, does what they do and they close it out. And I, I mean, I will say too, it's not like Optic's three wins were necessarily blowouts or anything either. Like uh, the Bokid Search was 6 3, the Tuscan Control was 3 2, and the Tuscan Hard Point was 250 to 240. Uh, so it was a close series. And, and that's what I mean. Like the Seattle team has potential. It's just they're, they're going to have to uh, find a way to put it together, I feel like. Yeah. It's a, a difficult situation for sure uh, with Seattle because, like you said, they're uh, a relatively young roster, even Mac, who, um, you know, you you have a problem with calling him a veteran. Uh, but, you know, he is a young guy. Like, you th- I think he's like 20, 21 or whatever. So it's like he's a young dude, and, um, and Sib and Pred are obviously rookies to the CDL. Accuracy is a veteran, but um, it's kind of hard. Um, you know, I, I – I, I do agree with you. Like it's difficult to find who you would uh, bench or who you would drop or whatever. And one person roster changes are not always the most successful because I think you still have like a lot of the lingering effects of that past roster. Even with New York, we might see that they have a lot of the same issues. Even with Paul X replacing Clayster, uh, it's not like a a perfect solution for many rosters to just you know swap out one player and put in another i mean if you look at the stats from this uh series two in particular like you know dashy was the only player who went positive uh on optic he had a 1.14 and scump had a 0.97 uh illy had a 0.89 and shotsy had a 0.94 so like you know uh you look at the other hand sib accuracy and pred all had over one kd max struggled individually but like looking at these slaying numbers you're probably a little surprised that uh optic wins 3-1 maybe you know like you see a team like get 
outslayed like that um and you see like a two three five win maybe but you know this was only a four game series uh and you know actually that's that's kind of impressive two sib dropped 116 kills in only four maps yeah. uh pred had 109 shots he had 106 and scump had 100 so uh this was probably just you know thinking back on it now this is just a kind of a weird series yeah um and a close one, you know, looking at the scores and stuff like that. And obviously Seattle gets a map win. Um, so well, we can talk a little bit more about Seattle down the road. But uh, I guess, you know, for now, Optic gets this win. They, you know, keep on chugging along. Well, the weirdest thing about this uh, this series is Bokic Hardpoint because, like, it was a 43-point game. So it's realistically just a one-hill game. And... Like, if you look at the KDs of Optic, Skump went 29 and 44, and Shotzi went 28 and 41, and Illy went 25 and 39. So these guys are like 0.6 KDs, and like Dashy, he's the, the slayer of the group, and like he, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna be the guy to get a positive KD usually. Um, but like the, the fact that it was even that close, to be honest, with how different all of these kills were it's kind of like the reverse optic optic would usually like have like a, a hard time winning this florida would have an impossible time trying to win this uh with seattle's kill kill de- uh differential so um it's it's a weird map but bokage is a weird map in general so it's not not too uh not too out of the ordinary um let's talk about minnesota boston um so you went with boston for your prediction i went with minnesota and i believe i said that i was uh you know, very, uh, I was expecting Minnesota to absolutely disappoint me. And, um, they did, they, they got swept by Boston. It wasn't even close on map one. Um, Zenny was absolutely cooking the Ross, uh, the rocker. He went 25 and seven for a 3.57 KD and capsule had a 24 and 16 performance. And it was a 124 point win, uh, for Boston, um, a relatively close, uh, way to end the series on a round 11 win on Bokage search, uh, TJ and methods, uh, you know, combined for 22 kills and then a three, one, a control win, uh, nothing, uh, you know, nothing pops out like very much other than TJ's 40 kills. Uh, but uh, what did you think of Boston who just kind of seemed to get better and better? Like I've been, uh, they're, they're the most surprising team, like in a positive aspect, New York is the most negative, but like Boston seems to be improving every single week. Yeah. So I, I don't really remember last episode where like, what my reasoning was for picking Boston. Um, I believe that we were like going back and forth a little bit. So I just went with the opposite of uh, Minnesota, but um, yeah, I I guess it worked out for me. And I I don't think I was expecting it to be a three O at all, just because um, going into this series, at least I feel like, um, if if you had to do power rankings or something like that, maybe Minnesota would be a little bit below uh, Boston, but I don't think they would be like necessarily too far spread apart uh, in like that middle of the pack sort of area, at least based on uh, previous results and stuff like that. But th- this was a big win for Boston. You know, anytime you can get a 3-0, it obviously uh, helps for like tiebreakers and stuff like that. So uh, kind of like Preston was saying, uh, the uh, opening map of the series was 
a Berlin Hardpoint 250 to 126, just absolutely dominant. And uh, Methods goes 25 and 7. That's a 3.57 KD. Um, just an impressive performance. You know, Capsule's right behind him at 24 and 16. Uh, but seeing a, a full Hardpoint played out at a professional level and someone only having seven deaths uh, is, is kind of strange you you don't see it too often and it's uh probably something we won't see too often the rest of the year but who knows at this point it's vanguard um so good performance out of them to kick off the series and then um we do get a round 11 situation in the game too so it's not like uh the series continued to be a total blowout after that i think if i'm remembering correctly boston went up five three in this search and then rocker forced the round 11 but uh boston clutched up there uh tj and methods both both dropped 11 kills uh attach led the lobby in the losing effort for minnesota with 12 kills so um that, that was a close search there and then um i don't remember the control off the top of my head it was a 3-1 and i know uh tj had a uh good performance individually he dropped 40 kills and i don't think um anybody in particular was like necessarily super close behind him in that so um yeah i think you know just looking at this series overall probably not many people expected a 3-0 by boston but it, it's kind of a, a, a good win for them in the sense that you know, Minnesota isn't necessarily considered a top-tier team, but they're still, like, in that middle of the pack in the eyes of many people. And it kind of helps separate uh, Boston a little bit if, if, you know, you're trying to s figure things out heading into the major. It's it's an important win for uh, Boston there in the standings. Definitely an important win for uh, Boston. Um, if they can get into that top four and kind of stay there the rest of the season, that bodes very well for them. Um you know, when uh, champs comes around and the seeding is the, the most important it could be. Um, let's get to uh, two top four teams that uh, we've been talking about a lot this season. Atlanta and London, they kicked off the, uh, the Saturday matches. Um, and Atlanta, uh, they lost uh, their first match of the, um, I guess, I'm just going to call it a stage. They lost their first match of the stage, uh, which was uh, pretty surprising that uh, they started off with the loss, but uh, they bounced back pretty well here. Um, a 250 to 194 win to start off the series, then a 6-2 win on Bokic S&D before losing 3-1 on Gavutu Control, and then clutching up a, a very tight 250 to 236 Tuscan Hardpoint, uh, a map in which uh, Abizi and Cell both dropped 30 plus. Um, RCD's had a pretty rough time, but you know that happens sometimes. But it didn't really seem to affect Phase all that much. Uh, they come out, they win 3-1. They beat London, who at the time were undefeated uh, in this stage. Um, they were 3-0 heading into this match and uh, were, you know, honestly like in the driver's seat probably to uh, get that number one seed. Uh, but they um, they they dropped this uh, match to Atlanta. Uh, any thoughts on this series? Yeah, I think it was definitely an interesting one. Um, you even picked London to win this one, which I was heavily surprised by last time. Yeah. Um, but recency, you know, <laughs> uh, we see Atlanta play Gavutu twice in the series, which 
any of our longtime listeners know, I've been on the uh, Gavutu watch for Atlanta since, you know, really the season started. Um, and, you know, it works out for them in map one, doesn't necessarily work out for them in the control, but uh, our cities has a strong performance in map one to help them take that win there on Gavutu hardpoint. And then they win the Bokage Search 6-2. Um, maybe it's just because I watched, even though I watched it last night and it was so fast, I really don't remember those um, initial maps, but I do remember uh, the control and without having any numbers to support this statistically, um, I feel like London is just the best Gavutu offensive team, at least at this point, pre the uh, tick change when it go- comes to kills and stuff. I don't know what it is. I feel like I like just am constantly thinking about London winning offenses on Gavutu control, and it, it's happening for them multiple times now. Um, so if there's any way to look that up, I'll try to do that. But um, I think that's interesting especially since there are only two control maps. Um, if a team like London is consistently getting to play on Gavutu and they're doing well on the less favored side of that, that's kind of almost like a free map win at that point. Um, but, you know, you still got to win two more, even if you get the third one, and that's not how it happens for them here. So uh, Atlanta takes the, uh, the, the hard-fought Tuscan hard point in game four. Uh, to win both hard points and win, get the 3-1 victory overall. I'm just imagining you sitting at home in bed and you're just thinking about London on Gavutu control. You're like, oh, man, that's that's the perfect thing. You're, and, uh, I mean, I, I don't know about their offense, but um, they're 7-3 and three overall this season on Gavutu control, including the kickoff classic according to Breaking Point. So, um, I mean, they, they've only played Tuscan four times this season. Uh, including the preseason, so uh, that seems to be the the preferred map for them. Um, they're not alone in that. You know, it's, there's only two maps, so you kind of have to pick your poison. But um, seven and three is a really good record, and uh, you know, control can definitely be uh, the turning point in series, as we've seen. You know, even if you lose the the first two maps, that that control can really uh, swing things into your favor, or at least even out the momentum and help you get into that fourth hard or that second hard point, the fourth map of the series. So um, London, uh, I mean, all around, they're a, a very good team, uh, but FaZe is also a very good team. So I, I, that was the series that I was most looking forward to this weekend um, because uh, it's very rare that, um, you know, FaZe is kind of, not trending downward, but uh, we don't really know what to make of them after that loss and after kind of seeing them uh, vulnerable in a sense at the major. In London, they were you know red hot coming into this with three straight matches, uh, match wins, even without Gizmo in the roster. So um, that's something to uh, to keep in mind, and maybe we'll get to see another rematch in the major. That would be uh, pretty awesome. Uh, next match of the uh, weekend was New York versus Paris. So this was Paul X's debut for the New York Subliners. Um, he had previously went 2-0 with the London Royal Ravens as a stand-in uh, for Gizmo uh, last week. Um, but uh, this was his first match, and in his very first map, he's able to break the streak. He's able to help the Subliners win their first hard point of the regular season. Um, just a, a kind of a ridiculous thing to think about that where, 
I would say like two months or nearly two months into the season, and New York had yet to win a single hard point. Um, they win 250 to 180 on Bokage, so Bokage is is their is their thing, I guess. Um, I mean, it would make sense if you were to lose all of like the first 15 hard point maps this season to be like, all right, Bokage is the one we'll break our streak on, like the most chaotic and like the 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 map that everyone seems to hate. Um, Crim6 and Hydra both dropped uh, 40 bombs. Hydra had 42. Crim6 had 40. Uh, Pollux in his debut, he was the only uh, subliner not to have a 1.0 KD in that opening hard point, went 27 and 29. Uh, John had 36 kills, which is the most on Paris's roster. Uh, New York then they won the 6 1. Uh, they won a Desert Siege Search and Destroy 6 1 with uh, Hydra dropping 10 kills. Pod had uh, three engagements in this map. He was one and two. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to do much when uh, Hydra and Neptune are just running around um, terrorizing Paris. Uh, Gravity dropped a donut. Um, Paris, they won the control, but then they got absolutely demolished on Berlin hardpoint 250 to 79, which is. Uh, one of the most lopsided uh, hard points in the entire season, which is baffling considering New York hadn't even won a hard point heading into this series, and now they have one of the most lopsided hard point wins this season. Um, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to say about Paris because, uh, you know, they had a, a pretty good showing to start off the weekend against London, who we consider to be a really good team. And then in New York's uh, roster debut with Paul X, Paris can barely get out of first gear. Um, do you have any thoughts on uh, the subliners and Paul X now being 4-0 and in the CDL this season? What? What? Paul X? He'd only be 3-0, and right? Well, didn't he go 2-0? and Oh, yeah. So I was thinking a hard point. Yeah. Yeah, he is uh, 3-0. and my, my bad. I was just... I was zoned out after you said that. I was like, what? I was um, so regardless. caught up about the hard, the two hard point <laughs> yeah. wins. I was counting it as two. I mean, they might as well be two <laughs> victories. They pretty much doubled up Paris in both hard points. I mean, that's really the, the main takeaway here is that um, New York gets those hard point wins. They're not only one, they get two, and they they finally get on the board here. But at the same time, it is against Paris, who they heading into the series, New York and Paris were tied for last place in the CDL yeah. standing. So um, we do have to, you know, like pump the brakes a little on the, uh, if anybody's hopping on the New York is winning champs vibes here with just this one recent match. But Nobody's on um, those vibes. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, I, I think... At the end of the day, the most impressive thing to me about the series, despite, you know, like the, um, you know, lopsided scores and, and the hard points or even in the Desert Siege search, um, is that New York gets this win with Paul X being the only player with a negative KD. And technically, mm -hmm. like individually speaking, from a statistical perspective, he had uh, the worst performance on New York and it didn't matter. He was still... Uh, able to help New York get a much-needed win um, overall. And that's, you know, like we saw um, with London, he had, I don't think he had, like, a great individual series. I don't remember the stats in the first one. But um, he did have a good series against the Thieves in his second series for London. So, um, 
not you know stats we we always say stats don't mean everything KD doesn't mean everything here but um you know Paul X is able to come in here and New York gets the win without him having the best statistical performance uh that could mean something for New York moving forward you know if they get more out of Paul X uh it could be a good sign for them moving forward yeah definitely um I mean, they, they will need him to have good statistical performances eventually uh, just to, you know, like there are times that he's going to need to step up, but this just wasn't one of those times, and that's completely fine. Um, let's get to this next match of the series, which was a series that I was really looking forward to this week, Florida versus Optic. Uh, Florida was entering, I believe, with a 3-0 and record. Um, I didn't, you know, I don't think too too highly of florida but i also don't think very lowly uh very lowly of them uh, i i think they're a, a decent team and that they have the potential to be a really really good team uh they were 2-0 heading in here uh not 3-0 uh but 2-0 after having a very embarrassing performance in the major against boston where uh, awakening is dropping like 140 kills on on boston's head and they still can't win a hard point um, but they, they come in against optic who has been white hot. Uh, they have a really close bokage hard point. Uh, it doesn't actually get to the 250 mark optic wins it 210 to 193 with big wake dropping 35 kills. Same with skies. He dropped 35. Uh, the King he, scump, he went for 36 and dash. He had 39 kills, which was the most in the entire lobby, um, on Berlin search. I mean, Scump has just been one of the better search players in the entire uh, entire league right now. He went nine and five on Berlin search. Optic wins six three, uh, which is interesting because Optic uh, has been notoriously bad at search uh, for like the past several years. And despite them trying to get rid of that um, that reputation, they they really weren't that good of a search team until this season, and they've seemed to to light it up on search and then uh, they win 3-2 optic does on tuscan control with dashy uh, going for 30 kills um so it's a it's an interesting series uh, a pretty close one uh, despite the 3-0 scoreline uh, what do you think of this optic versus florida match yeah i think we we both despite i mean heading into this uh florida was not only 2-0 but they had a 6-0 map count uh, in their previous week leading up mm -hmm. to this. And we had talked about on the last episode, um, we were both picking Optic to win this one. And um, I kind of brought up the point that, like, Florida has historically as an organization been an up-and-down team, hot and cold. Um, but I felt it was important to point out that because they only have this one match and because it's against Optic, who are, you know, just the top team in the league right now on an impressive win streak, nobody's beating them. Like, um, it, it'd be hard to assess Florida's position just based on this one match. So yeah. um, I still think that's necessarily true here. Uh, kind of like you said, it, it was, you know, close in the hard point, 6-3 in the search. I don't know how you would categorize that as close. Or, I mean, it's not a 6-0, not a 6-1, but, you know, I would say 6-4, I guess, is close, and 6-3 is borderline. <laughs> so, um, and then 3-2 in the control is as close as it can get. So, um, despite the, you know, Florida not getting the win, as they obviously want to do every time they play, um, I think this is just one they're going to have to put 
behind them and look ahead to try and have a good performance in this next week where they have two matches and avoid another situation where like, you know, I was talking again last time, um, they have an opportunity to go two and zero in this next week and punch their ticket into the winner's bracket. At the same time, they have a chance where they could go zero and two. And despite their, you know, two zero series six zero map count start uh, to this set of qualifiers, if they go zero two this next week, they would be possibly in jeopardy of not starting the major in the winner's bracket. So, um, we're just you know not too much to take away from this series, in my opinion. Uh, we'll just have to see how Florida plays in their upcoming matches this weekend yeah they have a very tough schedule uh this week to finish off the the stage of matches uh the last match of saturday was boston versus toronto um i mean a a really probably maybe the most competitive uh series and one that i was interested in because uh like we've talked about a little bit this show but boston has been uh very good recently um pretty well They've been good or at least like decent for the entire season, but they seem to be getting better and better. Toronto has uh, not been as good as they were last season, especially near the end of the year. Uh, but they they would they're definitely a top six team in my mind. Um, so this was a very close series. It was a two fifty to two forty seven Bokic hard point, which is just about as chaotic as you could imagine. Um, Nero, he drops 51 kills on Bokic Hardpoint. Uh, I mean, what can you really say? Like, this this team is able to have any single player kind of go off on in a Hardpoint because we've seen each of these four players have, like, pretty incredible games, um, and that in itself is incredible. Uh, they drop the, the next two match, uh, next two maps, Desert Siege Search and Gavutu Control before um, having like the best screenshot of any hardpoint uh, on Gavutu hardpoint. I think it was like 115 to zero at, at one point. One twenty five. And uh, they, they end up winning 250 to 99. So they were able to hold on to the 100 point club. Uh, Cami in particular did really poorly that map 11 and 23 for a 0.48 KD, uh, while Nero and Methods both had over 2.0 KDs. And then Berlin Search and Destroy, uh, not really close at all. Uh, all of the Boston guys dropped seven or eight kills. Um, and it just, you know, it was a 6 2 for Boston, uh, which just kind of illustrates the point that this breach team, despite what we might've thought coming into the season, when they had a, a clear disadvantage in building their roster, considering they were months behind everybody else, they've been able to, um, you know, really come together and become maybe a top four, maybe top five team in the league at this point with, with the thieves kind of dipping and we'll get to them uh, very shortly here, but with the thieves not doing too hot and bossing kind of trending upward recently, uh, I definitely think they have a very um, good argument to be considered a top four team in the CDL currently. Yeah. I mean, you kind of hit on a lot of the stuff here. Um, for this series, so I don't have too much to add. Um, I will say, you know, we both picked Toronto, but yeah. um, we, we did see this was the loser's bracket match at the major, right? That Toronto was the team that knocked um, Boston out, if I remember correctly. I will look. Um, I think you are correct, though. Yeah, which means if it was, that was during Toronto's streak where they weren't winning hard points. 
Mm-hmm. And that also means that the series was kind of a mirror, maybe not in the scores, but it would have meant Boston won both hard points and then Toronto won two, three, five. Um, but then just in this time, Zinni exacts his revenge and he gets that, you know, game five win. Um, and Toronto doesn't win a hard point again here when they are able to close out the two, three, five victory. So, um, yeah, and I will say I'm pretty sure Nero's 51 in map one is the most we've seen on an individual map other than Capsital, which means that we've had two 50 bombs this year in Hardpoint, both on Bokage and both by the rookies on Boston, which is kind of a cool stat. Yeah, so that Toronto uh, versus Boston series from the major, uh, it was the loser's bracket round three match. Toronto wins 3-2. Boston, they win Gavutu hardpoint and Berlin hardpoint. And um, Toronto, they win 6-5 on Berlin search, 3-1 on Gavutu control, and then 6-4 on Tuscan search and destroy. So it it is an interesting uh, parallel between uh, how much uh, these teams have changed or maybe improved uh, in that time uh, because... You know, we saw uh, in that uh, first series, Berlin Search and Destroy 6-5 for Toronto. In this series, that was map 5 uh, for uh, Boston. They win 6-2. So, um, I mean, obviously online versus land, you can't really compare it as a 1-1. But it is an interesting point to bring up that these two teams have met before. And Boston seem to have improved uh, pretty dramatically since their meeting. Uh, let's go to the last three matches. Uh, I know we're closing in on an hour, so we'll try to, uh, you know, go through this quickly. Uh, Seattle versus LAG. We talked about Seattle in the, um, in that optic match. Uh, they don't really fare uh, too well against LAG, which is uh, much more surprising considering LAG has not been too consistent to this point. Um, LAG, they, uh, they win this series three, one, uh, only dropping that opening hard point, uh, 250 to 152 on Tuscan, which is, um, it was on Bokage that Seattle won the first hard point of that optic series, but for them to again, open the series with a hard point win and then lose the, the next three maps, which is kind of concerning a little bit. Um, and it's a little more concerning that it's against LAG and not optic, obviously, because optic is incredible and LAG is not all the time. So, uh, Seattle, they dropped this three, one, any thoughts on this uh, match? Yeah. And I think you bring up the good point there. It's, it's similar to the optic series in the sense they, they come out strong, uh, but then lose three straight after that. Um, again, we see like decent slaying numbers. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, looking at the stats doesn't mean everything and LAG actually walk away with the win. So, um, we were split on this one in the predictions. You went with your boys on LAG, and uh, I guess I was on Seattle for this for whatever reason, and um, LAG are able to get the win. And it, it is kind of strange. Um, you know, we didn't talk about it too much the last Seattle match because it was against Optic, and I don't think it really mattered. Um, but Seattle was coming off that win against uh, Atlanta. That was kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. And... Now that they went o two this week, they are sitting at one and three, I believe, or one in, yeah, they're one and three uh, in this qualifiers, which means their only victory is against phase, um, which is kind of a weird thing to think about. And um, if they hadn't pulled off that upset, they'd be o and four right now. So uh, I don't know. I guess it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Seattle, uh, just inconsistent and. I don't really know what the solution is, and 
Um, I'm not sure a roster change is the answer, but um, we're, I guess we'll see what Seattle does at the end of the day. Well, you want to talk about inconsistent. I have a team for you. They are called the Los Angeles Thieves. They are now 0-3 in this stage of qualifying matches after losing to the Minnesota Rocker, who coming into this match were 1-2. Um, uh, it was a very close series, all things considered, uh, barring like the search and destroys. Um, but you know, it goes to five games, a 250 to 246 win for the Thieves on Berlin Hardpoint, uh, which is then followed up by a 6 2 win for uh, the Thieves on Tuscan Search. So you're thinking, oh man, like they're kind of bouncing back from their rough week, which they attributed to bad practice. And then they lose 3 2 on Gavutu Control, 250 to 221 on Bokich Hardpoint, and then they get stuck stomped on Bokage Search and Destroy 6-1. I mean, this is a... I mean, I'm not going to do the roster change route for the Thieves because this is a very good roster, um, and I think that they have the ability to get back to where they were, but it is really, really surprising that they're at this point and they're going into the final week of qualifying matches and they still haven't won a match. And I don't think that they've had, like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think that they've had. Um, so like this Minnesota match would have been good to win. Uh, I don't expect them to be optic uh, and, and they didn't. And I wasn't really expecting them to beat London, but they got swept in that series, which was surprising. Um, they just have, uh, you know, like they, they have the ability to get to a two and three record. And I think it's very doable. But again, it's really surprising that they're even at this point right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think this was, especially with that start, and I will say, um, heading into that London series, that would have been Paul X's like first match, and yeah. you know, or not, it would have been his second match, but it was still it's LA Thieves going up against London with effectively a fill-in, not the full London roster. So I think that that's the most surprising element to the London 3-0 over Thieves. Um, but regardless, I definitely didn't expect them to be 0-3 uh, at this point. I would have especially knowing uh, Paul X would be replacing Gizmo. I, I feel like they would have, I would have predicted the Thieves to win that. I probably did. And I probably expect them to lose the Optic and then beat Minnesota. So looking at two and one, which is very different from 0 and three, which they're at right now. Um, and I think, you know, the big thing for me is that they let it be a reverse sweep. And it's not the first time we've seen this team uh, get reverse swept. They, they got reverse swept by Atlanta to, you know, get eliminated from the major. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I don't know what the deal is. I mean, it's just, you know, it was a close uh, series, especially in, in map one, um, which you probably expect a team like the Thieves, uh, who's like a strong respawn uh, slaying team, to uh, beat a team like Minnesota a little bit more on a hard point, just because Minnesota isn't considered the best hard point team. Um, but regardless, you know, um, they get that win. They take the 6-2. That's a, that's a convincing victory in the search, especially for as good of a search team as Minnesota is. Uh, but from there, you know, Minnesota wins the Gavutu Control 3-2, 250-221 on Bokage, and then 6-1 in the Bokage search. Like, um, Minnesota, man, it's just, you know, as – Major Maniacs has never chalked, and uh, they've shown, as I just said, with the Thieves being reverse swept a couple times already this year, uh, Minnesota and this lineup in particular has shown multiple times 
at this point that uh, they don't get down when they go down 0-2 or even 0-4 in a series. And um, they, they have the mental fortitude to not tell and be able to pull off a reverse sweep. So uh, definitely a very big win for um, the Rocker, who are the Rocker 2-1 and one now. Um, but obviously, you know, two and one and one and two is a big difference too, but, um, definitely as I'm just as surprised as you that, uh, we're now looking at the Thieves being 0 three. Yeah. The, the last match of the weekend was Atlanta versus Toronto in a rematch of the, uh, CDL championship grand finals. Um, Atlanta, they, uh, they're not the, you know, impervious invulnerable team that we kind of came to expect them to be uh, over the past like season and season and a half. Uh, but uh, they do come out with a win. They win 3-2. Um, they win both of the hard points in this series, which kind of continues Toronto's uh, kind of tough break for hard points. Um, the first one, which was Gavutu, was not even close, 250-118. to 118. Toronto, um, you know, they nearly won Tuscan hard point, which would have ended the series. But um, Atlanta is able to clutch up. They win it by 11 points behind RC's 32 kills. Uh, Simp also drops 30 on that map. And then Berlin, Search, uh, Simp, and RC's uh, combined for 19 kills. Uh, Cami and Kleenex have uh, four combined kills between them. So uh, not a great showing uh, on the on the last search. But um, I think this is a pretty good result if you're into moral victories uh, for Toronto, like the hard points still not there, but the fact that they can beat Atlanta on uh, search and destroy, they beat them on control. I mean, the hard point is really just the thing that they have to clean up, but um, obviously that's not a very easy thing to do. Uh, do you have anything, any thoughts on this before we get into our predictions? Yeah, I think that's the big thing for me, as we talked about, um, Last week, now Toronto is one and two, which means they only played one match last week, and that match was against Minnesota, and Toronto won both hard points mm -hmm. um, in that match. And I just remember saying, like, obviously that was following their 0 and 7 or whatever it was at the major, uh, their winless performance in hard point at the major, and you know, they, they come back into these qualifiers and they get those wins against Minnesota. But I said, you know, Minnesota isn't considered the strongest hard point team. So we got to sit back and see how they perform against some other teams in the mode. Well, you know, they play Boston and phase this week and they go 0-4 in hard point again. So like you said, uh, still some things for Toronto to work out in that mode in particular. Um, but this was a strong series. Uh, from Simp in particular, went 110 and 77. Uh, 110 might be the most kills we've seen from Simp in a series. I don't know. You know, obviously there was the grand finals with more maps, but I feel like he didn't have that many kills in that series, so I don't know for sure. Um, but regardless, you know, in uh, a uh, firing on all cylinders, Simp is always a scary sight. So um, for Atlanta fans hoping for uh, a rebound performance at the upcoming major, that's good to see from them. But uh, yeah, they probably... You know, Atlanta fans probably were hoping for more than a uh, or better than a 3-2 win, especially, you know, um, with Toronto winning the uh, game two and the control. That means Atlanta had to come back from down 2-1. But uh, end of the day, they, they get the win. And now they are sitting at 2-1 and one in these qualifiers as you have the standings up on screen. Yeah, the standings are up uh, on the screen. If you uh, want to see the video, go to Spotify, YouTube, or watch the live show at twitch.tv slash podcast. Uh, the 
uh, there are two teams tied for first place heading into the final week of qualifying matches. The Boston Breach and Optic Texas are tied at 3-0 in matches and 9-3 in map count. Um, their, uh, London also has uh, the same number of CDL points as Optic in Boston, but they also have uh, one loss to their record. Uh, Florida and the Los Angeles Gorillas, Atlanta Phase, and Minnesota Rocker are all at uh, two and one and have 20 CDL points uh, between them. Uh, the only difference is map count currently. Um, Toronto, they sit at one and two along with the New York Subliners. Uh, the Seattle Surge have uh, 10 CDL points as well, but they are one and three with only one remaining match. Uh, left in this uh, stage of qualifying matches. And like we said, the Thieves, 0-3, 0 CDL points. They are currently 11th in the Paris Legion. Um, Mike, cover your ears. They are 0-4 with 0 uh, CDL points with a 5-12 map count. So not looking too hot if you're one of those uh, bottom teams. I, I guess there is hope for, there's more hope for at least for Toronto and New York considering they have two matches uh, this week, but Seattle with only one match and uh, the Thieves, they have two matches, but they haven't won anything. And then Paris, uh, they have one match and they have not won anything, which is very Paris of them. Um, so that is the standings for the uh, the current standings heading into the final week of qualifying matches. We have 10 more qualifying matches before we decide or we figure out which of these teams are going to start in the loser's bracket, the bottom four teams uh, in the league after these qualifying matches will only have uh, really one shot. They'll start in the loser's bracket. They can't lose any matches, um, and it's a very difficult thing, as we saw in the previous major um, with uh, the likes of New York. So um, let's get into these uh, predictions. Uh, we have three matches on Friday, uh, Paris versus Toronto, LAT versus LAG, the Battle of Los Angeles, and Florida versus Atlanta. Uh, let's start at the top, Paris versus Toronto. Uh, I think we both agree here that Toronto will probably win this. Yeah, this is a must-win series in my eyes for Toronto. Um, and I will especially be looking to keep an eye on how they perform in a hard point against, you know, a, a bottom-of-the-standings teams like Paris. Then we have LAT versus LAG, which is an interesting series considering LAG actually beat Seattle uh, this week and LAT are 0-3 heading into the final week. Uh, I think I'm still going to go with LAT because like LAG is very inconsistent. So is LAT, but I think the Thieves are a better team, so I'll, I'll go with them. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Thieves here too. Um, it is absolutely a must-win series for them, especially since they're sitting at 0-3. Um, so I'm expecting them. You know, we saw some complaints on Twitter about practice and stuff prior to or after the matches in last week. Um, and with the re the reverse sweep in this most recent matchup, I'm expecting um, them to try and, you know, head down, grind, and figure out whatever's going wrong for them and try to respond here. Because if, if they lose this one, they're absolutely just – Gonna start in the losers back at the major, so um, I'm going with LAT. I wouldn't, I guess, based on current performance, I wouldn't be surprised if LAG gets a win. Um, but this is basically a must-win for LA Thieves, so I think they get it done. Uh, the last match of Friday, Florida versus Atlanta. No surprise here. I'm going with Atlanta. I think that 
Florida, they have a really big opportunity here. Atlanta has shown weakness uh, over the past few weeks, which is pretty um, r- pretty rare for them, to be honest. Uh, and Florida, other than a close series with Optic, uh, they have looked uh, fairly good. So uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta, but uh, I'm very excited to watch this Florida team and see if they can pull off an upset. Yep, I'm right there with you, going with Atlanta. Um, we've seen... Both of these teams now play Bokage extensively, I feel like. So um, a Bokage hard point between these teams could be an interesting one. Uh, but end of the day, I think Atlanta gets the job done here. Uh, Saturday, March 26th, we have four matches. The first of which, Seattle versus the LA Thieves. Uh, so LAT could be coming in with an 0-4 record or a 1-3 record. Uh, and if they're coming at 1-3, they will really, really need this win uh, to, you know, try to stay out of that bottom four. Uh, Seattle will probably be in the same boat. They're one and three coming into this. So uh, this is a a match that could keep uh, whoever wins this out of the loser's bracket to start. Uh, I don't, I don't want to pick Seattle. So I'll go with LAT. Like I can't pick Seattle at at the, in this current state or with where they're at. I can't do that. So I'll go with LAT. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go with LAT too. Um, I, I think, like you said, especially if LA Thieves get the, uh, win against LAG, both teams here are one and three. And then, like you said, they, they're good looking for that second win to have a shot at like a tiebreaker or something to avoid the loser's bracket start. Um, so it'll be a big match. Um, I've just, you know, it, it feels like a coin flip here. It's going to depend on what version of each team shows up. And then at that point, I still don't know. Um, so I'm just going to go with, uh, the thieves and you know I'm already you know if I'm thinking they're gonna be lag um that could give them momentum here to try and take down Seattle so um I think this could be a closer one than maybe some people might be thinking just based on recent performances but I'll go with the thieves uh the next series uh this is a rematch of the the maybe one of the more well-known <laughs> series from the past major uh Boston versus Florida um I really want to pick. I'll pick Florida. I'm not too convinced on this either way. I, I, I really, I think that Boston is very good and I think that they probably will win, but something in me just wants to pick Florida, even if they are coming off of a loss to Atlanta, uh, which is, uh, you know, more likely than not. Uh, I'll go with the Mutineers, but I'm not too confident in it. I'm going to go with Boston. Uh, you know, we, we saw what happened at the major. Um, going to just go with that train of thinking. Again, similar to Florida versus Atlanta. Um, we've seen, as we pointed out earlier in this episode, we've seen the Boston rookies in particular play well on Bokage and the team as a whole play uh, well on Bokage Hardpoint and Florida seems to like that too. So that could be a map we see in this showdown as well. Um, and, you know, I'm always down to see some Bokage Hardpoint. So it uh, could be another classic Bokage banger there. Um, and I think this will be a close one. Uh, I'm just going to pick Boston because, you know, I was leaning towards Boston beforehand. You took Florida, and we finally have a different pick. So, yeah, going with Boston. Uh, the next match is LAG versus Optic. I'm going to go with Optic. I don't really need to yeah. yep. explain it all Optic. that much. Next. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Subliners versus Minnesota uh, rounds out Saturday's matches. Uh, I'm going to go with... 
I'm not convinced that this Paul X effect has actually been like that big. They did win two hard points, but uh, Minnesota beat LAT, which is more impressive than beating up on Paris. So I'll go with the Rocker. Yep, I'm going to go with Minnesota too. But that is what I was going to bring up is just, you know, we have seen New York win a hard point now, and I've been touching on Rocker not being the best hard point team. So if New York is able to continue being – I'm not even going to say what I was just about to say. If we can see New York uh, keep up their streak of recent success in hardpoint uh, and take advantage of the matchup against not a very strong hardpoint team, maybe that's their route to victory. But I just think Minnesota's a uh, better team. They have more chemistry and should be better in the searches. So even if um, New York somehow wins both hard points here, they would have to win um, the searches. Uh, arguably against Minnesota or the control. I guess they could if it's 3-1, but uh, regardless, I'm going Minnesota. Final three matches of the weekend on Sunday, March 27th. The first, Boston versus London, which uh, if Boston does beat Florida on Saturday, uh, the breach would be going for a 5-0 and record in this stage of qualifying matches. Uh, London, they enter this uh, with a 3-1 and record, which also could be Boston's record if Florida uh, proves me right. Um, I'm going to go with London. I think that the Royal Ravens are probably the third best team, maybe the second on some days. Uh, I think that they're the better team. I'll go with the Royal Ravens. Yep. I'm going back to my old method of picking against London. Um and based on me picking Boston to beat Florida here, I am going to go with Boston over London, and I will say they go 5-0, and which would just be a cool storyline. I've kind of gotten off the picking against London, but I'm still pretty much on the picking against Boston thing. I think I picked against them in all but like one or two matches this season. So You would think that's... you were the Yankee fan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then we have uh, Atlanta versus Optic, which is uh, – I mean, obviously, a rematch of the Major 1 Grand Finals. Uh, Optic is, I think they're one of the only teams other than, like, maybe Seattle to beat Atlanta this year. I can't remember anybody else doing it. Um, so, uh, a, a really big match. Atlanta, depending on how things go against uh, Florida, like, they could be looking at a 2-2 two and two record um, heading into this match, and maybe even teetering on the the edge of going into the loser's bracket to start, which would just be one of the uh, the weirdest things that I've seen in a while in Call of Duty. Um, I got to go with Optic. I can't pick... I can't pick Atlanta over Optic when uh, in each of their meetings of like the past like two or three weeks, like Optic has looked like the better team and Optic also has played well against other teams other than Atlanta. So I'm going to go with Optic Texas for this one. Yeah, um, I'm not. And I'm going to go with Atlanta. And, you know, conventional wisdom and recent results may all say, uh, Optic should win this and, you know, remain undefeated and uh, they would be on like a 12-1 streak at this point or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I could easily see them winning this series, but I'm just, I'm going to go with FaZe. I, I think they figure out a way to get it done. Um, but on the other hand, they, they might not, you know, it's a weird situation because FaZe has got that loss already. Mm -hmm. um, so they're going to be trying to, you know, get the 4-1 and one 
And if they do that, Optic wins their other series and they're four and one two. There's a tiebreaker there, which would give Optic potentially a lower seed, depending on how many other four and one teams there are. Um, so this is a really big match for seeding, and um, I'll, I'll go with the face. The face uh, last face. match, last match of the week is New York versus Toronto. I'm gonna go with Toronto. Um, no reason to pick New York against the Ultra, even if like both of these teams really suck at hard point. So maybe ah. that, <laughs> maybe it's like whoever just scores like 200 points on hard point will win. But uh, I tend to think that Toronto is a better team overall. I, I would, that's what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm picking Toronto here too, but it is extremely interesting that both of New York's matches here um, are against Minnesota and Toronto, two teams that are not necessarily the best at hard point, and New York still aren't good at hard point, but this current lineup uh, is 2-0, I guess, in the mode. So um, that's what, if, if there's some path to victory, it, I guess it's got to be through that, but I don't really know. So I'm sticking with Toronto here. Uh, that does it for us. Uh, before we get out of here, let me say that our prediction uh, prediction records right now. So you went seven and three last week. I went five and five because I was I was too much on the recency bias. Uh, so you're forty two and twenty six overall. I'm thirty nine and twenty nine. So there's a chance, a very real chance, that we will be tied after this week, especially if. Florida comes up big for me and uh, Atlanta does not come up big for you uh, specifically, but um, should be an interesting week of matches. Uh, make sure to subscribe or follow the Ego Chow podcast feed wherever you're listening or watching on. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc. cetera. Uh, also leave us a good rating. Uh, I believe you can leave ratings on Spotify now. Uh, you also should do it on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. And leave us your feedback if you want to leave it uh with your rating or if you want to tweet us um you can tweet us at jbink with two k's at pres buyers or at ego chat podcast um you know we're really open to criticism um just try to be kind of nice about it but i i want to know what you guys think of the show what we could be doing better or differently to better suit your needs as a call of duty esports fan uh so make sure to give us uh your feedback uh wherever you want to um our next live show is scheduled for tuesday march 29th uh, as far as i know for 8 p.m eastern time uh, and we do the live shows at twitch.tv slash ego podcast. If you can't catch the live show for whatever reason, uh, the podcast and the, the video podcast and everything will be up uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, it wasn't this past week because YouTube and uh, Anchor, which is what we use to publish our podcast, was being incredibly stupid and very hard to work with. Uh, but uh, usually... The podcast is uploaded very early on Wednesday mornings, uh, so hopefully that'll be the case this week and every other week. Um, but yeah, that does it for me. Just uh, make sure to you know follow everything and support us in everything that we do, no matter if we we do things right or wrong. So that's my lasting thoughts. Uh, take it away, Bank. Yep, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, thank you guys as always for the support. Uh, I will say, kind of like Preston was uh, touching on with the next show on uh, next Tuesday, it will be a little different than uh, the last time these qualifiers ended because we had a week off um, between the last set of online qualifiers and the Optic Texas Major. But this time we're going straight from 
uh, this weekend's matches into uh, the Minnesota major without any time off. So next week's show could be um, a bit of a longer one because we're going to have to talk about the results from this weekend, and then we're going to have to just give our predictions immediately uh, for the major. So it could be a longer episode next week, but obviously um, should be an exciting one because uh, we'll be that much closer to another LAN event, and LAN is always fun. So uh, that'll do it for me. Thank you guys, as always, and remember to send the chow.